Fall camp was open again on a hot Wednesday morning following the team's day off. And there could be a couple of developing stories personnel-wise coming out of the morning practice. And is there a difference between work and extra work? That's what's coming up next on Locked On USC. You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Culkin, and thanks for making Locked on USC your first listen. Whether you're watching on YouTube or listening wherever you download your podcasts, we're free, and we appreciate your support. So if you are watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Appreciate it. Without you, this show doesn't mean a whole lot, and I love the feedback you guys are throwing at me. And keep throwing in some questions. Um, I'll let you know. We're going to do a mailbag show here. And uh, I'm going to need some questions from y'all. So bring them in. All right. So the Trojans got back at fall camp here Wednesday morning. It was really warm, too. Um, I'm not sure exactly what it topped out at. But it it felt warmer than the 80 degrees at the 9 a.m. start time that they had. Uh, But everybody knows that this team... I think anticipates they're going to go as far as the offense can carry them. And defensively, they just need to get a f- few more stops in the opposition, which, you know, Hey, doesn't every team want to do that? Well, in USC's case, um, everyone anticipates them scoring a lot of points. The, the question mark is, can they get enough stops on the defense for the offense to do their job? Um, on Monday evening after practice, uh, Coach Riley um, said that Corey Foreman, who is, you know, he's competing for the starting uh, rush end job position now that Drake, Drake Jackson is off the NFL. Well, on Monday evening, um, Coach said that Corey Foreman had a prior obligation and that had kept him away from practice. Um, now, again, Monday's practice was in the evening. The Trojans opened fall camp last Friday morning, and Corey had to leave early uh, because he had a previous commitment that he had to um, attend. So Corey also wasn't at Wednesday morning's practice. So here we are zigzagging, hopscotching back and forth between different times of the day of while he's not available. And as a no-show, um, we're not going to, because they have practice tomorrow on Thursday, but the media won't be there. So now, you know, we don't know if he'll be there tomorrow, and we won't be able to report on it until Friday. So that mystery uh, will continue unless uh, USC flashes something on their social media account, you know, you know, showing some kind of highlight reel from the from practice. Um, if we don't see something tomorrow on Thursday coming out of USC, we're left to assume that Corey wasn't there again. And maybe that's a really bad assumption, but we'll be able to verify it when the media shows up to practice uh, Friday morning. Um, so again, you know, we touched on this on our last episode, talking about that. You know, we're just kind of left to speculate 
where Corey is um, because USC is leading up to fall camp. They've been putting him front and center. And this would be a really bad PR hit uh, if for some reason um, Corey just, he, he's not able to get to practice and that's stunting his development. And, and again, putting him further down the line in the player rotation. So, uh, you know, again, you know, the longer he stays away, others are going to take advantage of their opportunity. Uh, players like Solomon Bird, the transfer from Wyoming who joined USC uh, after the spring, uh, he spoke with the media after practice for the first time today. And we're recording this. I'm recording this show uh, here Wednesday evening. So you're all watching it or listening to it Thursday morning as your first listen. Um, one of the first things I picked up with Solomon, he he's obviously got to get, get comfortable with the, the local media. So his answers right off the bat were very short. One, you know, one word answers as he's, tries to find his way uh, but he did have he does exude a quiet confidence um he was asked you know to give his thoughts on Corey foreman as well as romello height uh, the transfer from auburn these you know are his primary you know the primary guys for his that he'll be competing with uh, for playing time and uh his answer was uh rather interesting very candid where he said, I can't worry about what other people are doing. Um, you know, he's battling to be the starter. So, you know, with Corey missing in action with excuse, and, you know, I guess I should drop this little piece of information here. Uh, Solo Tuliao Pupu was unavailable today for practice. Uh, he was there, but he wasn't dressed out. The team was in shells again. Um, helmet, shorts shoulder pads, jersey. Uh, Solo wasn't dressed out. Um, he was on the sideline uh, basically doing cardio, push-ups after practice, that type of stuff. Uh, no word on yet what the, his holdup was. So, um, But so out of that, you know, you've got Solomon Bird now. Those are three guys that are part of his competition, that he's competing with. Uh, but let me go over uh, something that I think it's a mild surprise right now after the first five days of camp. Um, the defensive line is, I think everybody is, is, you know, I've, we've talked about it on this show. I've talked about it on inside the Trojan huddle that it's, it's worrisome only because there's not a lot of depth. So uh, what I've noticed now from the last few practices that uh, we've, the media, the press has been able to attend is, you know, when they're doing their rotate, their defensive rotations, um, when they kind of run 11 guys out there and then they, uh, snap of the ball, they, they drop roll and, and run to the corner of the end zone and break down in front of uh, secondary defensive backs coach, Dante Williams. Well, someone who's been running with the first team is, um, in fact, let me just go over the, the is Dejon Benton at uh, defensive end, defensive tackle. In fact, that first team has been Dejon Benton, Stanley uh, Taufa'u, and Tuli Tuiapolotu. Um, 
That's your first team defensive line. The second team has been Tyrone Tulaney, the transfer portal from Kansas State, Brandon Peely in the middle, and Nick Figueroa um, at defensive end. So I I, want to highlight these two because Dejon Benton is just kind of quietly going about his business. And I'm not saying that this is going to be the rotation, but I think everybody anticipated new number 99, Nick Figueroa, being on that first team. Um, so it, it, I think it's just been a little interesting to see who's been on the first team defensive line, who's been on the second team defensive line. And to see Dejon Benton up there first team was the eye-opener. Uh, we'll, we'll see if it's just a little motivational factor or if they just really like the way that Dejon fits the scheme. His body's really developed in the offseason. So uh, any pictures or video that you get a chance to see of him uh, over there on WeRSC.com, really look at it. He he looks the part now. Uh, and it here's another, um, it, it also just shows you the the different ways that um, I think Lincoln Riley plans to use the versatility with his roster. A real quick one I want to get to um, specifically on offense, as far as the versatility Uh, before the media is kicked out of practice after like 20, 25 minutes, we do see some um, formations. So one lineup we saw had a four wide receiver lineup that had freshman CJ Williams with Jordan Addison, Brendan Rice, and Mario Williams. So you have a true freshman. This was the first team offense today, mind you. First team freshman and three transfer wide receivers. The second team formation that we saw, the rotation at the wideout, um, had Kyle Ford, Terrell Bynum, Malcolm Epps, and Lake McCree. So two wide receivers and two tight ends. But the common denominator among those four is they're all incredibly big receivers. Very thick, well put together. Um, That's a bruiser of a lineup right there. So again, that's the versatility. And you can see that, you know, Riley's building the team and his vision. The other thing you can do is you can go uh, to, (laughs) you can go to built.com and you can check out their new delicious indulgent cookie dough puff yeah built bar puffs and it's their new cook their new flavor is called cookie dough and it's covered in chocolate and it's really good so the cookie dough chunk puff they're light and chewy texture with real cookie dough chunks and of course they're covered in 100 real chocolate all the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it plus it's healthy for you Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. So run to built.com to snag a box for you and the family. It'll be a perfect treat, or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them for yourself. Like all built bars, the new cookie dough chunk puff is covered in 100% real chocolate. That means they're healthy and tasty. Uh, chocolate-covered cookie dough with a light, fluffy texture. So good. Uh, what's great about Built is all of their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides a ton of health benefits. 
You're going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just to grab a quick bite, Built is the perfect protein bar. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo LOCKED15. All right, so when is post-practice work? We're going to talk about that. When is when is post-practice work not considered extra work? Um, after practice today, the media comes back, and we're, we're kind of hanging out on the field while we wait for um, the players to assemble for, for us to interview. And all the different position groups are spread out on the field doing their thing. Um, one of the first things that we notice as we're walking down the stairs of the Coliseum onto the, onto the hallowed grounds, uh, to, onto the playing field, is I can see the entire defensive unit spread along the western uh, sideline running wind sprints uh, to the other sideline, back and forth. I think they did this four or five times. Uh, whether this was discipline for not performing well, who knows? We'll have to speculate. Nevertheless, they were getting in some extra work. But right after that, um, I heard, as I'm watching uh, Coach Roy Manning say, this is not extra work, it's just work. Quote, unquote. Um, when they were done with the wind sprints, uh, his group uh, were doing what I would describe as five-yard uh, power lunges. And he was making sure the guys were lined up properly to do these as well. Proper footwork. And then he would give them a good hard knock on the shoulder and make sure these guys were locked up tight like they were lining up on the line of scrimmage, ready to get out to the quarterback at the snap of the ball. And so they were doing this for, I don't know, about 40 yards. Again, five-yard surges. Um, it was interesting to, you know, the coach is telling guys, hey, man, this is an extra work. This is just work. And he's pointing it out at all the different position groups and saying, hey, look, they're just working too. That's not extra work. <clears throat> the message was, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> I guess the message I'm trying to convey here is, uh, even though technically you're only supposed to be with the, staff 20 hours per week wink wink um I, I think everybody knows teams across the country put in more than 20 hours maybe 20 hours and 30 minutes when you add everything up so um this is what's necessary though when you want your team to be prepared uh, to compete for the season for a championship you got to do these type of things i'm okay with that and i think uh trojan fans are as well when you uh, when you hear that they're, you know, just putting in some extra strength and conditioning, no harm, no foul. Uh, you know, I mentioned you see the pos you, you can we can see the position groups all split up all all across uh, the field doing doing their work, not the extra work, just putting in some work. Um, one of the things you'll see is when you look over at the offensive linemen, um, they're all paired off in one on one. Uh, a couple of things I saw was Justin Dietrich and Jonah Monheim working together uh, at the, you know, kind of getting in the stance and and attacking each other's inside or outside shoulder uh, for pass protection. 
and I'm I'm being facetious here with this next thing. I wasn't sure, but I think I heard Justin Dieter say, "All right, Jonah, you good to go?" Almost like the the younger player was wearing out the older guy. That's not the case. Justin has a lot of stamina. You're, you're, he can go like the Energizer Bunny. Remember, Justin Dietrich pulls trucks, 18-wheelers in the offseason. So uh, he, he can go one-on-one with Jonah Monheim. I'm confident with that. Um, I saw Andrew Voorhees and Bobby Haskins doing the same thing, uh, working on you know a little pass protection one-on-one. You can see, I, I can see Cortland Ford and Josh Henson having a great conversation in the end zone. These are the little things that go on once practice is over. Development, coaching, it never stops. Whether it's the younger, older players worth of working with the younger players, older players working with the transfers, uh, this is how you develop chemistry and uh, great teamwork. And with the offensive line, you want chemistry and teamwork. I mean, what is it? Five... Five fingers on a hand, glove working together, yada, yada, yada. Uh, speaking of Bobby Haskins, I, I want to slip this note in here. I, I can't think of a better place. Uh, someone mentioned to me that um, Bobby Haskins, the offensive tackle transfer from Virginia, um, he's the type of guy you want on your team, but he can be a real, um, we're going to make this family friendly family-friendly, fill-in-the-blank type of guy um, who will get under your skin. Um, and he's the type of guy who, uh, he's going to keep playing till the end of the whistle. And, uh, you know, sometimes other players, you know, particularly in practice, when you're going against the same guy over and over and over again, um, that can wear on you. Um, and that you know, sometimes those develop, you know, I won't say fights, but tempers can flare in practice. And I'm not saying that's happened yet, uh, but I can see that happening if if if, if uh, Mr. Haskins has that type of personality where, you know what, he's going to go until the whistle blows. Um, that's a great quality to have. And you want somebody like that on your team who's going to get under the skin of the opponent. Um, Got to love that. That's just, if, if that's what he's bringing to the table, uh, as well as, you know, competing for a starting spot, the, the team is already in, already better than they were last year. That's not a knock on anybody who's no longer on the team, but that's a valued commodity that I think USC was in short supply of. That, that gooch type of guy. If you're old enough to remember the TV show Different Strokes, Arnold, what you talking about, Willis? Um, there was a bully called the Gooch. You never saw him, but uh, he always picked on uh, Arnold. So uh, I would love for USC to have a bunch of Gooches on their team. And if Bobby Haskins is the lead Gooch on the offense, no problem with that. Uh, I also saw the running backs and the wide receivers after practice kind of running a gauntlet, uh, testing their ball security so they would burst through that... Um, I guess it's like a, a like a gate that the horses would walk, you know, run through if they were in a race. But you know, for running backs, you've all seen the the apparatus on a on a football field. Um, and then you know you've got the coaches trying to coaches and players knocking at the at the ball, trying to knock it away as they're running through. So again, all this stuff is not extra work; it's just work that these guys are doing um, 
once practice is over. And uh, again, you know, if you see, if, if we're reporting an entire side of the ball, one running wind sprints, that's usually an indication that they weren't performing up to the, the level that the coaches want them to. Um, or the other side of the ball just got the better of them. And that was the, uh, that's the penalty. So again, all the offensive position groups um, were, were split up doing different things. After the wind sprints, the defensive groups then broke down into their position groups. Defense, defensive backs doing crunches, linebackers doing their things. I told you about the rush ends with Roy Manning doing their thing. So, um, yeah, there you go. Practice really never ends. Uh, you know, over there on wersc.com, uh, our own Scott Schrader talked about uh, when their day starts and when it ends. So you'll want to go check that out. Uh, we we kind of drop those nuggets, and it's true. It's it's more that you know it's it's a long day for these guys. It's not just about school. It starts in the morning and it ends in the evening. So go check that out. All right. So yesterday on our on yesterday's episode, I raised the question about rushing the field. And we're going to close this episode with some feedback on that because it, some people are trying to justify USC fans saying it's okay to rush the field. So far, um, I've seen one response that I was willing to consider, and it was a really good response. And we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, someone brought up, hey, you know, well, what about when USC fans rush the basketball court after beating UCLA with a buzzer beater? Well, that's basketball, and that's a very spontaneous reaction. And that's where that kind of celebration really belongs. Um, it's more quaint. It's more intimate. And I think that's where it was born also, was in the basketball arena. You know, I, back in the day, and this is before I was born, you know, they called it the cage for a reason. Um, they literally had a the players played on the basketball court, and there was fencing that went around the court, keeping the fans off the court. They're called cagers for a reason. Um, so interesting little uh, note on that. Um, so I'm cool with, you know, fans rushing the basketball court after a win, especially with a buzzer beater against UCLA. Sign me up. Uh, someone mentioned on the message board, you know, USC beating Stanford after four consecutive losses. You know, they were coming out of the sanctions era. Um, I'm sorry, no, that still doesn't qualify. And by the way, John McKay would be is rolling in his grave 2,000 times with that answer. One for every point he wanted to beat the Stanford Indians by. So no, Stanford does not deserve having the field rushed just when USC beats them. I don't care if they beat USC five times in a row, uh, there's still Stanford. You don't rush the field. Um, so, you know, I told you my rationale when I thought it would be acceptable. And that's when USC broke that 11-game winless streak against Notre Dame. Perfectly acceptable. Um, you know, there's nothing... There's nothing, there's nothing better than beating Notre Dame, but there's nothing worse than losing, losing to UCLA. 
there's a respect factor between USC and, and Notre Dame where UCLA is that other team in the city that you have to kind of just deal with. So um, I'm good with that type of situation where you rush the field. USC was on a long winless streak. Had to be done. And again, that was a spontaneous thing because it, it happened with when Mark Cusano knocked down the pass to end it. Um, Notre, Notre Dame was marching the field to put themselves in a position to uh, to win that game. So thank you, Mark Cusano. It was huge. So here's the winning answer um, when I think this would be perfectly acceptable. And again, I'm maybe looking at it from a selfish point of view uh, because I will be on the field when this happens. Coming down from the press box, uh, the media is allowed to be on the field for the last five minutes of the game uh, to, you know, get themselves set up for any type of uh, video interviews to catch, you know, instant first time reaction. So if USC and Notre Dame were playing for the national championship and USC happens to leave the field winning the game and we'll make it even more exciting with a bush push or a uh, game, a 50 yard game winning field goal. H E double hockey sticks. Yes. Get on the field and grab a piece, take it home with you, make it happen. Um, that is, I think going to be the only acceptable answer to this question of when USC fans should rush the field. I, Hey, look, if somebody else out there has another answer, they think is acceptable. Send it on in. Give me some feedback. Let me know. Let us know there on, uh, on that YouTube channel, Locked On USC, we want you to make us our, we want us to be your first listen and watch every day. Uh, and also, don't forget about the Locked On Network. You've got the Locked On Pac-12 with Spencer McLaughlin giving you all your news and notes in 30 minutes or less. And USC fans, you'll be moving over to the Big Ten, so get familiar with Nate Dickinson doing the same with Locked On Big Ten. And then, as you know, when you can't find me here on Locked in USC, I'm over there on WeRSC.com. We are running a subscription special. Check it out. $10 for the year. It's less than a dollar a month. Not telling anybody how to spend their money, but I don't think that's a deal you, you can afford not to take advantage of, especially with this year coming up. So until our next episode, which is tomorrow, when you're watching this one, five days a week with Locked On USC, everyone fight on.